Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast and joining me as always, my co-host and fellow lifelong Houston sports junkie, Stephen Kerr. And hallelujah, Stephen, baseball games are three days away. Well, actually, it's already happened, Robert, because, you know, even exhibition games feel like there's there's baseball being played. And I'll be honest, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about everything. I I mean, yeah, we've missed sports. It's been gone for several months. But just with everything that's happened, especially where the Astros are concerned, we had the cheating scandal. We've had COVID-19. We got the uncertainty of can we even get a 60 game season in? I wasn't sure how it was going to go. The first exhibition game, of course, Monday against Kansas City. I I didn't watch the game live just because I had uh, a conference call, a previous engagement. But I did check it out most of the game. I think the first six innings early this morning on demand. And I was getting getting into it pretty good. I I, I have to admit, I was I was kind of enjoying everything. So, yeah, but officially you're right. Baseball starts Friday. How did it sound to you? How did, uh, you know, no fans sound to you? You know, I, I wasn't sure how it, it was obvious they were trying to pipe in things. And I think the announcers did a pretty good job considering. I mean, they're having to adjust, too, just like the players watching on a big screen. There were a couple of things that, you know, they, they I think they screwed up the count once and they had a, a, a relief pitcher. Kansas City had put a relief pitcher in and they thought it was one pitcher and it turned out to be another but, I mean, you know, you, you've got to give them – you've got to cut them some slack because they're trying to adjust just like everybody else. And, you know, it's a different experience for them, for the players, and for the fans even watching and, and listening if you're listening on the radio broadcast. So, I honestly, I think all in all, they did a pretty good job. Have you plucked down your $100 so you can have a cardboard cutout of yourself in the stands <laughs> at the Astros games? Yeah, I don't know how that's going to – I just – I mean, I guess it it's – you want to at least look in the stands and see something. Um, why not just put mannequin? I guess mannequins would be more expensive than cardboard cutouts. So <laughs> maybe that's what the deal is. But yeah, that's going to be a little bit different. For those who haven't heard, for $100, you send the Astros a photo of yourself and it's going to be turned into a cutout placed in the outfield seats during home games, proceeds to the Astros Foundation. So it's it's going to charity. The cutouts We'll be putting random seats in the Crawford boxes, the Budweiser patio, and the bullpen, Hall of Fame alley. So uh, it's, I mean, I mean, Stephen, it's it's something to, I guess, get people engaged if you can't be at the ball game. It is, and and I don't know, you may be closer to this than me, Robert, me, me here in Austin, but I haven't heard how that's going. Have Have you heard any what, what kind of reception that's getting among the fans? Well, I talked to a fan yesterday, and you know, he's thinking about it. He said a hundred dollars is a little bit steep uh, for for him, but. You know, he's definitely uh, thinking about something like that. So I, I haven't heard much beyond that. I think everybody's just so excited that the, there's there's baseball. And it's interesting, um, frankly, something that we saw coming, Stephen. I, I want to say we talked about this, but Major League Baseball, they're going to allow fans to cheer or boo in their MLB app. Yeah. Ballpark staff can then match up with the volume of the, you know, what's going on in the stadium. And here's where it gets interesting for the Astros. So what's going to happen is you'll sign up on the app for your favorite team. So you can be a virtual fan for every game. That means opposing fans will actually get to boo on the app. So Steven, 
Guess what caught the eye of the national media about this story? Yeah, I kind of wonder. So so maybe the Astros aren't going to get out of, you know, being booed and jeered after all with this cheating scandal business. Ah, interesting. Yeah, it's it's quite amazing just to watch how technology has come that you can even get to the point where you don't have to be at the game, but you can still virtually take part in it. That's that's going to be interesting. But yeah, as far as the Astros, um, hmm, it may not work out so well for them. <laughs> Um, from the opposing fan standpoint, anyway. Right. I mean, just it's so funny because as soon as the story comes out, oh look, 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 you can boo the Astros. You know that was that was the story, and there was a. I don't know if you caught this, but ESPN big front headline story. You know, it's 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 terrible because you know it's a longstanding tradition, and fans won't get to boo the Astros. I'm mean, just like, come on, like. I, I, is is that basically the whole thing for the whole year is the ESPN is now disappointed that there there's not going to be people booing I mean it's it, it, this is such a campaign you don't see this about the Patriots like oh you don't see this about the Yankees either do you how much how much space have they given to the Yankees even now with all this going on uh, very little yeah it's i i don't I, I, we well we've ranted about that let's get let's get to the field cuz the Astros Open on Friday against the Mariners. The rotation will be Verlander, McCullers, Granke in the three spot. Which is sort of a surprise there. Then Josh James, the five spot. Uh, still open last I checked. Dusty hasn't made a call there. Framber Valdez is the leading candidate with Urquidy Peacock and Austin Pruitt all out to start the season. What do you think about the rotation? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think the, the reason that you saw... Grinky and, and McCullers flip-flop, you know, apparently that one day that uh, the delayed, you know, the test results that delayed the Astros workout kind of threw Grinky's schedule off a bit. At least that's what I understand. And so he's not, he doesn't feel quite ready yet. So that, that was a, a kind of something to take into consideration. Yeah. The bottom of the rotation. I mean, it is a big question mark. Uh, Josh James, uh, he's kind of, you know, they've, they've kind of tweaked with his mechanics, his delivery, you know, and he's going to try to be a starter, which is different for him. Um, Framber Valdez, well, you just, you know, you just don't know what he's. He certainly had plenty of chances, and now everything is different for everybody. So you don't know how he's going to react. I was encouraged, Robert, and again, this was an exhibition game, but I was encouraged at how Lance McCullers looked on Monday against Kansas City. He went five innings, threw seventy-six pitches, and and what I really liked is that he threw you know, a pretty good mixture of his entire arsenal. He threw the curve, he threw the changeup, and even uh, threw the elevated fastball a little bit effectively, which is not something he's done before. But it was just nice to see Lance McCullers out there and and just being effective. And I thought, considering what the circumstances were, that he was very effective. He was throwing strikes. Maybe those extra few months is what he needed to totally get back on track. It remains to be seen, of course. Right, and I think that's a good point with McCullers. I, I do want to go back to the Granky in the three spot because, yeah, he, he's being moved back because of other considerations. But there are some people, and I don't know what you think about this, Stephen, say, why not move him back another day so he's going up against the Dodgers because, you know, the Dodgers are the Dodgers, and that's that's a pretty big ball game. I, I get it. I mean, the, the Mariners are – that's a division game, but do you think they should have just maybe moved him back another day instead of Josh James making his first major league baseball? And this is his first major league baseball start. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. And it's against a team that, uh, as you know, 
is just salivating to play the Astros, especially with everything that happened in 2017. The Dodgers, one of the more vocal teams. Yeah, I might want to have a, a – frankly, if I had my choice, I'd rather have Justin Verlander maybe in that first game. But, you know, he'll probably get to something going with the Dodgers. They, they're going to play the Dodgers a bit. So, yeah, it would. It probably wouldn't hurt to have Grinky starting off that series because, believe me, the Dodgers are going to be lying in wait for the Astros all season. And this is something that snuck on – you know, snuck up on me a little bit the the fact that Robert Osuna, Roberto Osuna, uh, is not going to be ready to start the season. So Kyle Presley will be the closer. Stephen, the bullpen looks really thin right now because you eliminate from last year Will Harris, Osuna, Peacock, Josh James, and Joe Smith to start the season. So here's what I'm guessing is the rest of the bullpen: uh, Chris Davinsky, Joe Biagini. Brian Abreu, and then I guess we're looking at guys like Cy Sneed, Christian Javier, Rogelio Armenteras. We also got to keep in mind you've got that whole new rule with a three-batter minimum. God, Stephen, that's scary for a, a young bullpen. Yeah, a lot of unknowns. And, you know, with Ryan Presley, I, I mean, I would feel comfortable with him being in that role. He, he does have six major league saves. He, you know, it's a bit unproven there in, in that particular spot. But certainly if he can be as effective – as he was last year, and and take over that closer's role, I, I'd feel better about that. But yeah, the rest of the bullpen, a bunch of question marks. And I guess from what it looks like, you know, at least with the 30-man roster starting out, the Astros are going to have 15 pitchers. But again, there's, there's so much unknown because from day to day, you don't know who's going to test positive for COVID-19. You don't know who's going to get injured. So there are a lot of question marks in that bullpen you know, especially when you get into the the mid part of the rotation and even, you know, to the later part. So that's yeah, going to be interesting, especially when they start trimming the rosters down. You know, they're going to go to 28 in mid-August or, or the first part of August, rather. And then they're going to end up at 26 midway through the month. So depending on what happens between now and then, uh, it might get a little more precipitous for the Astros as far as the bullpen is concerned once they go to that 26-man roster. I mean, if we're talking about opening the season with Presley as the main guy, I guess, I mean, you tell me, Brian Abreu, is that the guy that you trust to set him up? I, I do not trust Chris Davinsky or, or Joe Biagini. I mean, those are the veterans right there. Those are the three guys. Yeah, well, the, the way, yeah, you could kind of flip a coin. But the way Abreu has is, is looked promising Maybe you could put him in that spot. And Joe Biagini, I just, you know, he's got a great personality, but he hasn't exactly been consistent since he's been with the Astros. So, yeah, definitely unproven there. And, of course, you know, Presley in, in the closer's role, while it may not be totally familiar with him, I certainly feel better with him than any of the others you just mentioned in that role. The one thing that will be an advantage for these young guys, there's no fans. So it, it shouldn't feel like, a lot of pre it's a weird deal because if you're a young guy, you, you, Oh, I'm, I'm going into this big stadium. Now I've never been in front of this many guys and, but you're not going to be in front of anybody. It's going to be like a, a, a minor league simulated game or something like that. I mean, obviously the stakes are higher, but yeah, the stakes are higher. The pressure's still there, but yeah, you're, you're not going to have the fans booing and cheering and jeering. I think we talked about this before, but you know, some of the, especially in the uh, lower a, minor league ballparks, you know, you, you can barely hear, you, you could hear the two teams a whole lot more than you can hear the fans. So for the young guys, it may not be as big of a deal as it probably might be 
for some of the more established players, just not having the fans to cheer. I know that they've, you know, they've tried to pipe in noise and, you know, I, I, what was it I saw in the, I think some of the inter-squad games the Astros were playing, they were trying to pipe in fan noise. And I think, I believe it was Dusty Baker. So it sounded like more like a running water faucet than anything else. So yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how everybody adjusts to that, including the young guys. Yeah. Josh Reddick said uh, it sounded like the white noise that he plays for his uh, new born twins <laughs> he said yeah. a few months ago and you, you know that the thing about you're going to have the crowd noise i guess from this this new system that they've set up but it's not the same as like people breathing down your neck and you see the faces and you know it, it's uh, the virtual experience i i just don't think that's going to be the same for these guys as far as the pressure but you know we'll see and and the other thing that uh i, I was noticing this week is that the mlb the MLB.com put out their power rankings and coming off the World Series and the loss of Garrett Cole, Stephen, where do you think the Astros were in the power rankings? Well, I didn't see the power rankings, so I'm going to take a guess and say maybe sixth. Actually, it's it's higher than I thought. They're, they're third. It is higher. Okay. Oh, they're third. Oh, wow. That is higher than I would have. I would have said fifth or sixth, but well, third is, you know, considering the changes that they've made. Um, yeah, I'd say third place. Somebody's actually being generous to the Astros for a change. How about that? Who do you think is one and two? Well, I would think the Yankees would be one, number one. Are they? Nope. The Dodgers are no. one. The Yankees the Dodgers? are two. Okay, so they're two in the Dodgers. Well, yeah, I, I would say you could probably flip-flop either one of them. That's who I would have picked, one and two, Dodgers, Yankees. And then four and five are, are Twins and Rays, so some uh, lower market teams getting into the top five. It's interesting with the numbers and, you know, with the Rockets, you know, they're just 10 days away from their first games. We talked about the Astros to start off the show, but, you know, that's that's cool that the the Rockets are right behind them. So, oh, God, it, it's going to be nice to even just, you know, I think it's going to be good for my mental, uh, my just my, men, my mental game here to have game, games on television and stuff to watch. Yeah, and that's kind of goes back to what I said. You know, it was an exhibition game I was watching, but it was baseball. It was the fact that we could actually watch a real game, not not a classic game from 1967 or even from last year, but a real live game. And I think that's just going to be that. That's what's going to stir. I think Brian T. Smith in the Chronicle wrote a column about it. it's going to be difficult to keep the fans glued to their TV sets. Maybe eventually down the road, but I think right now I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a rating spike in just about every sport starting out, you know, in, including Major League Baseball, which has suffered in the ratings over the last few years. I think even with baseball, you're going to see fans glued just because there is something to watch. And then, of course, when the NBA cracks up, uh, cranks up, it's it's probably going to overtake it. But, yeah, just the fact that there's games on, NBA, MLB, uh, you know, I'm a big hockey fan, so it may not mean that much to you, but the NHL is going to try to restart here pretty soon, too. There are going to be some day baseball games mixed in, but Stephen, I think it's going to help that there's just going to be a general consistency of when the Astros start. You're not going to have to guess much night tonight. All the games are going to be at 8 p.m. Yeah, most of them. I, I think I saw a 6:10 game here and there, but a lot of the even when the Astros are at Minute Maid Park, they're they're trying to to match since they're going to be playing a lot of games on the West Coast. They're trying to I, th- I think kind of play in the middle basically. Regarding the time, so eight ten is what you're going to see a lot, even at Minute Maid Park, when they go to Los Angeles, Seattle, Oakland, teams like that. So that that's good to see. 
and and you know they're they're going to be playing pretty much every day through this 60 game season what do they have about a half dozen off days through the whole thing and that's about it so you're going to have baseball just about every day through the rest of the summer and into you know the uh september yeah and the rockets are the, those last eight games of the regular season that they they're going to be playing up pretty soon that's about every other day so they're going to be coming fast and furious and, and you know we had the wrong assumption about James Harden last week he did not have COVID and there wasn't really an explanation of why he was late to Orlando but at least we could say about the Rockets they looked far more ready than the Astros as far as their health Westbrook and Harden are okay they're going to be playing here pretty soon and outside of Cephalosha who chose to opt out uh, Stephen correct me if I'm wrong there aren't any major absences for the Rockets no they're not it sure is good to have Westbrook back you know you hope that that he you know, he certainly has recovered enough to come back. You just hope that it hasn't affected him too much long-term, that his stamina can come back really quick. I mean, he's certainly in excellent shape, and that's what you hope is going to help a lot of these athletes. But, well, you know, Harden supposedly has looked great in practice when, once he did come back. Yeah, you know, it's it's always dangerous to assume, Robert, but it kind of goes back to what I said in our last podcast is I just think it, it behooves these players to just come out right away and say, no, it's not COVID if it's not. You don't have to go into a reason. I, I, I want to say it was, you know, they used the, the family reasons or something with, with Harden. There, there wasn't anything really specific. But I just think it behooves these guys, especially with all the speculation that floats around when you're not with the team or if you're going to miss a game or two, just come out and say, no, it's not COVID-related. It's something else. It's a different scenario. And I think that would just eliminate a lot of the speculation. I think this is some sort of agent deal because guys are worried when they become a free agent, whether the, the, the COVID thing might work against them. People find that if they had it, is it going to have a long-term effect? But what we're going to find out is we're going to know about all of these guys at some point or another because the guys that didn't have COVID are going to say, I didn't have COVID. So guess what? If, if uh, you didn't have COVID, then... You're going to say it. So the, the guys that did are obviously they've got the the illness. And, you know, we, we, we've dealt with this for years. I mean, you'd, you'd come out and announce if a guy had HIV or whatever. So I, I just don't see how that's going to work. Uh, there was some like minor news, I guess, Stephen, on uh, the Rockets with Mike D'Antoni saying there was changes defensively that they've been working on. And I've got a two word reaction to that. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I don't think his name is Bruce uh, Billet. What, what was his name? The defensive coach that the Rockets had. I don't think it's him because he's not with them anymore. So I, I hope whatever it is that uh, it works because if there's one thing the Rockets needed improvement on, it's defense. You're right. So what, whatever this little secret sauce that they're working on, let's hope it's effective for these final eight games and through the postseason. Yeah, unless it's Akeem Olajuwon or – uh, I just I don't know who who, who the, the coach would be because the I know you're talking I'm blanking on his name too but it, it's the guy that went over to New Orleans but yeah that that guy wasn't really helping a whole lot last year with some of the stuff that they were dealing with either so um, one thing that I also saw this week that you know if you're wondering that the, the Rockets can they keep PJ Tucker since he's about to be a free agent here's what he had to say about Houston he said quote Houston's a blue-collar city, so many hard-working, die-hard fans. I've just kind of fallen in love with them. It's so random, but I'll, I'll just be at a grocery store and see a 70-year-old lady, and she'll tell me how much she loves me and how hard I play. 
That stuff is really gratifying for me. I feel like the city has done that for me, just seeing what I do, appreciating me. It's easy to work hard for a team that really appreciates you. It's definitely a place I see myself retiring and finishing out the last few years of my prime. So, Stephen, that's that's actually good sign for maybe keeping P.J. Tech. He wants to be here, so maybe you're going to get a good value. And it's going to be a weird offseason anyway. It's I don't know how they're going to do, do the free agency and when that's – you know, when they're going to be able to squeeze that in and, and how much players can really bargain with what's going on in, in, in a short, short, short offseason. Yeah, it is definitely going to be different. I, I think every offseason in every sport and, and of course, PJ is not getting any younger. So perhaps and, and I don't know if it's, you know, with COVID, maybe a lot of these players are might start thinking along those same lines about things like fan loyalty or appreciation of, you know, a factor that's going to hold them there. Yeah, the money's always going to talk. But in PJ's case, it, it would be nice to have him back. If he doesn't want too much money, if it's not outlandish, then it would be great to retain him because he's certainly a great guy, a class guy. And if if, if that's how he feels about being here, if, if that's important to him, then there's certainly a chance that he can come back next season with the Rockets. And hey, not only can you see the Astros on TV in real games this weekend, we got Rocket scrimmages coming up here. If you have NBA TV, they're scrimmaging Friday at 6.30 against the Raptors and Sunday at 7 against the Grizz. But unfortunately, I do not have NBA TV at the moment. Yeah, I I do have it. Um, I, I don't know about these scrimmages. You know, they were they were videoing a lot of the Astros scrimmages and I didn't really get to watch them. But uh yeah, it's it, or inter-squad games, I guess. <laughs> There's a difference, you know, because inter-squad games are totally different than watching an actual live game, even if it's an exhibition game. So, yeah, I, I don't know that I'm going to be into watching those kind of games with the NBA. Well, did you hear Dwight Howard? He's getting a little bit of trouble for not wearing his mask in Orlando, and he he doesn't seem to be about wearing a mask. He's been vocal against it. And, Stephen, this is... This is something where it's not what the late, great John Lewis was talking about when he said, quote, get into good trouble. This isn't good trouble. <laughs> no, it's not good trouble. And unfortunately, it kind of reflects our whole society. And no, I'm, I'm not going to turn this into a political or, or social podcast. But, you know, it just kind of reflects how our society feels. It, it's a very polarizing thing. Wear a mask, not wear a mask. I don't know how I feel. This whole bubble hotline thing to me. There's just too much room, you know, for for teams to take advantage. I mean, can you imagine snitching on somebody from an opposing team, you know, whether it's true or not? Oh, I didn't see. I I saw him the other day, and he wasn't wearing a mask. I I don't know. I I get the concept, but I think it just leaves a little bit too much room for uh, a little extra maneuvering there. Insert Mike Fires joke here. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Fires. Can, can you say Mike Fires? <laughs> even though it's not bad, even though it's not baseball. Here's what I don't understand. Dwight has always been in love with being a superhero. He loves comic book characters. If anybody should love wearing a mask, it should be Dwight Howard. <laughs> or you know what? If you're gonna if you have to wear a mask, you know, you might as well do it in style. You know, get a get a superhero mask or get a mask that make I mean, some of these players, they could probably make a statement of you know, whether a political statement or, you know, a station, a statement on Black Lives Matter or, you know, something just to make it fun. I mean, if you have to do it, do it, but put some creativity into it. 
You know, the NBA just looks like they've got it all together with the return to play. As we speak, not one player has tested positive for COVID inside the Orlando bubble. So it's working for them. Meanwhile, though, the NFL appears to have no plan, or at least not one that their star players were happy with until the last 24 hours. J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, not happy on Twitter. They said, well, Deshaun said, quote, from Sunday, it's disheartening to hear the NFL is unwilling to follow the recommendations of their own experts regarding player health and safety. If we want to have a full season, the NFL needs to listen to their experts. Hashtag, we want to play. So yesterday, uh, Stephen, the NFL and NFLPA, they agree to test daily for COVID for the first two weeks of camp. Then they'll shift to every other day testing. That's if less than 5% of the players test positive. If that does not happen, daily testing will continue. Well, of course, you know, basketball is conducive to something like a bubble. You have fewer players, fewer personnel. You know, football, you just there's no way you can do it. You you can't possibly have players in a bubble. And, and Robert, it's going to be interesting because I, I think, you know, there's going to be, if I saw, I, I did see some of the, the uh, proposed agreement. And I think, you know, there's, there's going to be a limit on how many players can be at the facility at one time. And, you know, with football, that's going to be awfully hard to manage. Yeah, if you have 11 guys on offense and 11 guys on defense, that's 22 right there. That's just, you know, starting out. And if you're having to shuttle players in and out of practice. So football, it's just a lot harder to manage. But you're right. The NFL, it it just seems like with every other issue, they sit on their hands until they have to do something. At least it's good that they're finally trying to come out and do something. But it just remains to be seen how they're going to be able to management over the long haul. Yeah, to nobody's surprise, also the NFL has offered the Players Association to scrap all preseason games. But Stephen, I always thought preseason, you know, it, it just wasn't as big in recent years for the Texans as the scrimmages were. There appeared to be a lot more energy for the scrimmages when you would watch those, and the key guys played more often. So you would see, you know, maybe a J.J. Watt would play two or three series as opposed to just, if you're lucky, he plays one in a preseason game. I'll be interested to see if they have a couple of scrimmages before the season starts. I also would love to see them televise the scrimmages, which they've never done before. Well, we talked about that last summer. I think I even brought that up. I would love to just see them eliminate, the, if, if not all completely eliminate the preseason games, just have, you know, one or two, and then maybe a couple of scrimmages on television. As you said, the players were really getting into it. Even the fans who, you know, viewed them, they were getting into it. So maybe this will be a good thing, Robert. The fact that there are no preseason games, you know, maybe the NFL will consider for future reference when things get back to quote unquote normal, whenever that is and whatever that is, that maybe they will look into some of these issues. Because I just think that, you know, preseason as it is now, the way they've been trying to do it, it just doesn't work anymore. So perhaps there's a silver lining there with no preseason games. Maybe we can see something a bit refreshing, whether it's a scrimmage or something. I, I don't know. I don't know that you want to start the season with absolutely no action at all. So I would hope there would be, you know, some kind of a scrimmage or something to get them going. Right. And, you know, we talked about it in all these sports, the baseball seems to be experimenting with some things. Maybe the NBA will, will be experimenting. There's going to be a lot more mics out on the floor. Guys are going to know where the cameras are during the broadcast so they can look at the cameras during the Rockets games. So that that's one of the things that they're going to be doing throughout the NBA. So this is a chance for all the leagues to take advantage of things. And, 
you know, there's some rules with player safety with the NFL that we can, I can just kind of go over these. And if you've got a comment towards the end of this, let me know. But, you know, players who test positive with no symptoms can return to team facilities 10 days after initial positive test, or if they test negative twice in a row within five days of the initial positive test, a player with a positive test and symptoms can return no sooner than 10 days after the symptoms started and three days after the symptoms have stopped. So basically, if I'm breaking it down, you're you're probably out two games with a positive test at the least. Uh, also, players who come into close contact with someone who tests positive will need two negative tests prior to being allowed to return to team facilities. And players will be required to wear proximity recording devices during team activities, Stephen, with hmm. the data used to create contact tracing information, which I don't know, maybe we should be doing that in the rest of the society. That's a whole other debate, but the devices will be used to identify in-game close contacts. So that's going to be something that, you know, is this something that we're talking about as a long-term solution or maybe this is just for, for the COVID deal, but that's something I'm sure, you know, the NFL, there's stuff that they do regarding that. I think just trying to get guys, uh, you know, what, what they're doing physically for, um, you know, how, how they, how they move. And there, there's other stuff that they hook them up with. So maybe in, 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 a, in sports, it's not so unusual where in the rest of society, we go, oh, that's big brother watching us. Well, yeah, that's interesting. The contact tracing, I think, is what jumped out at me. Is I mean, I wonder, you know, how much resistance is going to be met with that as time goes along? You know, it's one thing to agree to it now, but when you actually have to put that into practice, that's going to be interesting to see how the football players react to that. Would you be okay if you were one of those guys? You know, look, I, uh, nobody likes these restrictions. I, I can't think of one person who likes wearing a mask, who would like to be tracked, but... You know, we can talk all day about how people are, are dipping into our private lives and, and things like that. But I, I just want to be safe and I want to be smart about it. That That's really it for me. But you know what? I'm not a professional athlete who is used to being out and about, you know, going to the clubs and going, you know, hanging out with their friends and having parties. And so, you know, I, I get that it's difficult, but it, it's difficult for all of us. We, you know, whether you're an athlete or just, you know, a regular Joe Q public this is difficult for everybody. But yeah, I can see that there would be resistance for a lot of players and really in any sport to have to, to adhere to these guidelines. And here's how it's going to be different for the NFL. I mean, this isn't the NBA where you got the bubble. So uh, you, you're going to have stuff like no buffets in team cafeterias, only prepackaged meals. Players can't share towels, clothing, water, or food. You know, you go out to a, a practice or a scrimmage if you're a Texans fan, you know, it's guys passing around stuff, water, you know, everything like that. You can't use public or private transportation to get to a road game. You can't leave uh, the hotel to eat at restaurants open to the public. Hotel room visits are prohibited by anyone other than members of a team's traveling party. So that's just a taste of some of the rules. Nothing too shocking in that, I guess, Steve. I, there's nothing that really would surprise me or seems any more limiting than we, we would think. Well, no, and it's basically what the rest of us have to deal with in, with in some form or other. I thought it was interesting. You know, there were a few players that complained the first couple of days about the food and, you know, in the NBA bubble. And, you know, you're, you're always going to have those detractors. But I guess one thing, Robert, if you look at it, that maybe it's time that some of these players kind of come down and, and see what the average fan 
has to have, you know, and I mean, this is not fun for anybody, as I said, but these are things, you know, those particular protocols you just mentioned, they have to happen. I mean, you just, you can't pass things back and forth right now and put yourself in that kind of danger. So yeah, those are going to be big adjustments, you know, and it's like in, in major league baseball, like the Astros, when they went to Kansas city for those exhibition games, they traveled the same day of the first game. They went straight to the stadium. They didn't even go to check in the hotel. So that's something different. So the NFL and, and every sport, uh, this is this is definitely uh, a totally different situation than what they're used to. Another part of what's going on with the NFL. So there's a story that NFL players will have to wear helmet decals. Or I'm sorry, not have to, but will have the choice to wear helmet decals with the names or initials of police violence victims and systemic racism. So these would be on the helmets, not the jerseys. And here's where it gets interesting, Stephen, because we know that this is a pretty giant step for the NFL. They're known for having their uniform police. Remember that four years ago, they didn't even allow the Dallas Cowboys to add decals during the regular season to their helmets in memory of those five police officers killed, which, you know, law and order NFL, that was kind of surprising. They only allowed it during training camps. This is, you know, we can, you know, say, oh, this is. Not not any big deal, but for the NFL, the NFL, this is a big deal. It is a big deal for you know the sport that reigns supreme, that it, that is king of all sports, that is sitting on their arrogant high throne all these years. You know, I, I'm sure a lot of it is you know bowing to public pressure and pressure from the players. It just uh, that's that's probably the biggest reason they're doing this, but they're doing it, and it, at least it's a step in that direction. Because this is the statement that a lot of people want to make. You know, it may not be on the jersey, but at least they can wear a decal and they can express themselves. They're at least allowing the players to express their views and express how they feel in in some form or fashion. So, yeah, for the NFL to do that, even if it is under the guise of just bowing to public pressure, at least it's a step in the right direction. Anything I missed? Anything that caught your eye this past week in sports or with Houston sports that, you know, I haven't touched on yet? You know, I mean, obviously the the college situation is what's the big up in the air. You know, are we going to even have a college season? Are they going to move things to the spring? I I think I saw where the uh, Southwestern Athletic Conference is moving all their fall sports to spring. And so that's going to affect some teams playing games. So I guess really the the big question lingering now that uh, Major League Baseball and the NBA and and hopefully the NFL when they start training camp is what's going to happen with the college season. So that's just something we're going to have to keep an eye on. It'll it'll be a shame. I I did notice uh, the University of Texas, they seem to want fans in the stands so badly, they're willing to do it at 50% capacity. So if there is a college football season, yeah, there there may be fans in the stands at uh, Memorial Stadium. I don't know. All right. Hopefully Astros people have, haven't turned the podcast off at this point because I, I do have a couple final things. Do, do you remember a guy named Dennis Menke? I sure do. He played for the Astros in the early 70s, and he was uh, played for the Reds and the Astros back then. Also, he was a coach for the Astros in the 80s. Right. Uh, Got to say happy birthday because Dennis Menke turns 80 years old this week. And, you know, he wow. was a he was an all-star twice with the Astros uh, as a player. You know, you forget how good he was if you grew up a little bit later. I, you might remember a little bit of him as as far as a player is concerned. Um, back in 1969, Menke and the Toy Cannon each hit grand slams in the same inning. He was also part 
of that terrible Joe Morgan trade. The Astros sent him to Cincy with Morgan, Jack Billingham, Cesar Geronimo, and Ed Armbrister. You would think just giving up like Joe Morgan would be enough, but they gave up all that. They got back Tommy Helms, Lee May, and It's a Wonderful Life star, Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, yeah. And, and if you forget how bad that deal was, Stephen, just if you forget how bad it was, the year after Joe Morgan was dealt, he was fourth in the MVP balloting, and then he was fourth the next year, and then he was eighth the next year, and then he won back-to-back MVPs in the eight years after they traded him. And I think there was like two All-Stars before they traded him in the, in the eight years or something before they traded him. He had eight All-Star appearances and four gold gloves. Well, it was it was that trade, really, that tipped it in the other direction from the Astros to the Reds that formed the big red machine. I mean, think about if that trade hadn't happened, would we even be saying the big red machine? Maybe, maybe not. I, I would say probably not. The one thing about Dennis Minky is he did come back right before he retired. I want to say it was for part of a season. He, he did come back to the Astros, but of course, by then... His career was pretty much over. The Reds were the big red machine at that point. But, you know, he had some success with the with the Reds after that trade. So, yeah, that trade certainly one of the most infamous in Houston history, even from, you know, 50 some odd years ago. We still talk about it. But, yeah, Dennis Minky was part of that deal. Yeah. Joe Morgan also came back after those eight all-star appearances and all that stuff the next year right. after the all-star appearances. And, and they got old broken down Joe Morgan at that point but uh yeah it was pretty it's pretty sad and and that leads me to our throwback Thursday from last week we look back at the 40th anniversary of J.R. Richard's stroke and you'll hear my interview with J.R. a few years ago if you haven't listened to it from last week some memories uh also from old Astros beat writer Kenny Hand J.R.'s close friend former Astro Enos Cabell Go listen to it. Did I ask you a few weeks ago, Stephen, if you have memories of, about hearing the news of J.R. Stroke? You know, I don't remember where I was when I heard the news, but I just remember how shocked I was. Because, you know, at that time, J.R. had been complaining that he was a, he was had a lot of discomfort. He was in pain. And what I remember is how the media and, and even the Astros, and I know J.R., you know, he talked about this in his book. In fact, you know, it was your interview with J.R. Robert a few years ago that prompted me to uh, to buy his book and read it. But there, there was a lot of controversy at that time that J.R. was just – he was being a baby. He was complaining, and he just needed to go out there and pitch. Of course, that was the mentality back then. You need to be a tough guy and, and bear down. And, you know, it, there, it was obvious there was something wrong. And then when he had the stroke, it's just like it brought everything, you know, full force and – I just, you know, I wonder how many team officials and, and others felt bad about how they treated Jr. during that whole period, because he really received some bad treatment, I have to say, just just from what I remember, you know, back at that time and how how the media was covering it. Even the media was kind of siding with the Astros and saying that maybe Jr. just, you know, didn't want to bear down, just was just complaining but it was obvious that there was something going on. Well, how much of that had to do with the stroke? We don't really know, certainly. But it's it, it definitely culminated into something terrible that, well, it ended Jr.'s career. He tried that comeback a couple of years later, but his career was over for all intents and purposes with that stroke. I just remember how shocked I was when I heard the news. Also, after the stroke happened, Stephen, what's interesting is that Bob Allen and Dan Patrick, who was the then sports director at Channel 11, yes, that Dan, Lieutenant Governor, that Dan Patrick, those two 
got on television and both apologized to J.R. Richard uh, because, you know, they, I guess everybody, even the local TV guys were questioning him. Well, that's what I'm saying. The, the media was even in on the whole thing. And, you know, it's quite interesting. You mentioned Bob Allen and Dan Patrick. Uh, talk about two totally different personalities. Uh, you know, Bob Allen was I always thought Bob was a pretty fair guy, a, a fair reporter. Uh, but, yeah, even he weighed in. He wasn't afraid to speak his mind. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Dan Patrick, uh, you know, back then he was quite a controversial sportscaster. I mean, he he kind of he was definitely not afraid to state his opinion and even yell at you if he had to. But yeah, those two guys and even some of the the newspaper columnists were really writing Jr. about just that he wasn't being effective. He was complaining of pain and how that whole thing turned out. So for some of this, for some of us that are up there in age, you know, the J.R. Richard 40th anniversary, uh, if that didn't make you feel old enough, I got a couple of former Rockets birthdays that were this week uh, on Friday coming up. Skip to my Lou, Ray for Alston turns 44. Joe Barry Carroll hey. will be 62. And then on Saturday, John Barry turns 51. Tracy Murray will be 49. And Kenny Thomas turns 43 steven is any of those like oh my god they're how old any of those kind of uh shock you and they're how old they are at this point joe barry carroll wow i mean i know he you know he certainly has been a while since he played but yeah that's that's the one that jumps out and wow he's in his 60s yeah we're we're all getting up there robert that's all i can say (laughs) well you don't have breaking news in a podcast because you know you guys will already have known this information but you know, I just got word as you and I were talking, Steve, in the last few minutes that there will be a 10 game regular season for high school football in Texas with the state championship in January of this year. So they're going to sounds like they're going to push it back. It's going to be 10 games and it's going to be in January. So I don't know if we're going to be any better off by the time they start this up and if that's going to help at all. But th- that's the word. Yeah, I knew they were going to push a lot of the sports back. You know, they had made that decision a while back. I just don't think they knew how they were going to do it. Um, I know that's good news for you in some respects, Robert, because I know you cover high school football uh, in the Houston area. So it may be pushed back a little bit. But, uh, yeah, at least, you know, they're trying. They're they're trying. Now, how effective it's going to be, that's the unknown. And it's it's really going to be a daily thing, not a weekly or monthly. It, You know, every day is going to be a new day, and it could uh, just – either totally turn the thing on its head or at least alter it a bit. But that is at least good news that they're going to try and do some high school football. Yeah, it's good news for me in that it's dollar bills, kid, and I need some dollar bills for sure. Um, Before we close things out, just a reminder that we'd love your feedback, your suggestions, questions, topics, whatever. Uh, I'm just dying for some some people to, to let us know what's going on. I know there's people out there that are listening to us on a regular basis. As we always tell you, you can message us through Twitter, uh, Facebook. You can email us info at houstonsportstalk.net. The email address is always in the show description. So it's right there for you if you need to find it, if you forget it. Uh, but meantime, as we do every week, uh, this is 2020 for you. We got to tell you to stay healthy and stay safe. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.